0: Hey, hey, how's it going?
1: Hope you're feeling well. Uh, playing my little Art and Lutherie parlor guitar. Living proof that cheap guitars can give you a bunch of songs and sound, real, sound good enough. I turn 28 years old tomorrow. I've uh, been in the studio all day with a friend. Uh, that's why the podcast here is a bit late. Uh, most people don't seem to mind some people do. I apologize sincerely um, I as a person who listens to podcasts I like it when they're on time and they're out they're out like the same minute um It's just something to anchor my week um, but uh, I do apologize. Uh, before we get going, November 25th, if you're in Nashville, I am playing the Bowery Vault uh, with a couple of friends, and I'm very, very excited it's Saturday night, November 25th, free show, 21 plus, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, come along, come one, come all, when I was a little kid, uh, we used to throw these carnivals to raise money, we'd always give like a certain profit to charity, because that looks good. And we'd print out, we'd make posters, you know, whoever, like, I don't know how, I don't know who made the posters, but there's always, like, a clown, and it would always say, like, come on, come on, have a ball at, you know, whatever street you lived on, you know, on, like, Oakwood Courts Carnival, and it would just be, like, a Sunday, and everybody would show up, and we'd be selling hot dogs and lemonade, and there'd be, like, confetti, some of the real cool carnivals had, like, maybe there was, like, a donkey you could ride around on for a couple of bucks, and it was just all like children's commerce. Like, it was it was buy children for children, <laughs> and reluctant parents would just give their kids like a you know a few quarters or a couple of dollars. And you know, mom, can I go to the carnival? Can I get a couple of dollars? I'm sure. Here you go. And you get a hot dog. And there'd be like balloon contests and like all. It was just run by. We would just run them ourselves. You go around town hanging up posters. Um, I hope you're feeling well. I spent the last week in Kentucky uh, with a bunch of Trappist monks. Um, in the in the presence of a bunch of Trappist monks, we, there wasn't much chatting because they're they have a silent a vow they take a vow of silence. That's kind of the whole deal. Um, and they spend their days in silence and contemplation and prayer, uh, contemplating and uh, praying. Uh, to God, and loving God, and Jesus, and then the other one, the the, tri- the Holy Trinity, um, uh, I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna, so my goal was to, uh, experience that place uncynically, I mean, it's just a beautiful place, out, in, you're in the hills in Kentucky, um, rolling knobs, and beautiful fields everywhere, and the leaves have turned, my friend, um, and it, it's just, like, it's a stunning, gorgeous time of year, and and it's a special place. Um, and I respect these monks a whole lot, because they, they, they're, you know, extremely dedicated, and they're so present, you know, in more ways than most of us living in regular consumerist society, you know, certainly aren't. Um, so... So I have a lot of respect for these people, and um, so I went on a retreat, and you sh- you show up, and there's an office where there's like a person who talks, not a monk, and uh, you give them your name, they just give you your key, tell you how to get to your room. I was on the first floor, which is like above the, the base floor, um, pretty close to the church, and you, 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 you get there, and there's just bells, church bells ringing, and... Um, you don't, but once you leave the conference room where you check in, it's just silent. So if you pass someone in the hall, you smile at them. Uh, I spent a week with a bunch of people and I've, I don't know anything about them, but you'd sort of get a feel for who people were. You felt like you knew them cause you'd smiled at each other, you know, in the garden, in the field, on a hike, in the hallway, cause you'd spent the whole week together, but there was no conversation. Um, Yeah, checked into my room. Beautiful, very humble, simple room. Uh, Twin beds, blue sheets. There's a Bible and uh, a shower with a timer next to it, which I imagine is—I imagine that's related to some sort of monk practices of like only probably they only shower for a few minutes or whatever, Um, and they pray. I want to say seven times a day, starting at 4 a.m. up until about 7 p.m. Uh, they're a remarkable people and, you know, these are people that left, essentially left their whole lives behind and, um, again, we find ourselves so complacently just in this like consumerist, like post, post-faith, post-religious, science-driven culture that's just at everybody's throats and it doesn't seem, you know, that as a whole society is allowing itself to get inspired by the wonders of science the way uh you know s- some other people might be inspired by their god or their faith and uh you know maybe that'll change eventually um you know when i when i read a book about science i mean not not a scientific journal because i'm not intelligent enough to read that stuff but when i read about nature it's very spiritual and it's beautiful it's very holy to me um I don't know, I just wanted to be near these people for a week. And I wanted to spend the week in silence and try to be present and, you know, see if there's anything, uh, any moments of clarity I could get out of it. So anyway, you show up, uh, set my things in my room, um, and walked around the the garden, Uh, took a little hike. Because I've been there before just for a day, so I know some of the hills and... Walked around and you're just there in silence. You know, there's a library. I got some books. Uh, it was right near my room, the library. So I took some books um, by a writer named Thomas Merton, who famously he was a famous writer who became a, m- a monk um, and settled at this monastery back in I want to say the 1950s. Um, so some people call it Thomas Merton's monastery, um, but it's been there since the 1800s. It's been there. I want uh, I think 1841. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't remember what I did the first few hours, but you get settled in, walked around, sat in the garden, and then went to a prayer service, went to church, uh, reading some Psalms, and read along with the monks, all the monks walk in, their robes, and, um, you know, and you're just looking at them, and you're like, how you know what is your life like cuz you they presumably they don't really have any phones they're certainly not on the internet really and they're in silence every day and they're just so present here um and i'm the opposite you know i'm i'm like i'm, I'm on my phone and i'm running around and i'm this place and that place and um it certainly has sweet faces. A lot of older a lot of them are older. Uh, anyway, you know, you're sitting there looking around at the people who are joining you on this retreat. Mostly again, mostly older people as well. A few couples, some some middle aged women, some middle aged men, a few men and women in like their thirties. I was definitely the youngest person there. Um and then after church we walk out of the church and then go to the dining room where everybody's silent and you wait online. And it's uh, serve yourself like from a buffet, and there was meatballs and spaghetti, and then some sort of brown soup. Um, the, the The food was kind of like what I imagined prison food to be, with a few, you know, better than prison food, but just barely. Um, but really beautiful, and I felt so. I felt the silence, and I felt present, and I really, en- I enjoyed the food. I enjoyed my meal so much. Because uh, you're eating there in silence, and you know, no, a couple of people are on their phone, which I'm like, that's you know, not I'm good. I'm here. I shouldn't judge. All right, in the house of Jesus, he said the thing about you know not judging, casting the first stone. Um, but I did make an effort to not be on my phone because I thought that would be important. Anyway, had had a fruit cup afterwards. Um, you know, those come from those big cans of fruit. And uh, went back to my room, like kind of looked around, got, got, my, got a book, went back out into the gardens. The moon was coming up over the hill and read a little bit, listened to the birds. The church bell rang again. There was another prayer. I don't think I went to that one. And then uh, one of the monks, um, he's the guest master. Uh, he spoke to us the first and second day. And he welcomed everyone, and the first first day his speech was about how, you know, basically Jesus loves the sinner um, and that kind of stuff, uh, which was very beautiful and sentiment, and I enjoyed it. The second day, he spoke about the the prodigal son story, and that that one got a little bit weirder. He's just talking about Christians and hell and, like, so sweet, but this is something I see in every religion, which is um, they'll point to other people in their own faith— and essentially be like, well, they're not real Christians. They're not doing it right. You know, um, with, like implying that their way is the best way always. And um, I don't know. It's just like, I, I think I had such high standards. I was like, I want this monk to just be, you know, just coming down from the mountain with the light shining out of his eyes. And he's just a guy. He's a guy that for some reason decided to become a monk. And, you know, essentially leave his family behind, not be married and just be silent all day for his entire life and then get buried. You know, all the monks are buried on the hill behind the church in Kentucky. It's beautiful. It's this weird escape from life. I'm so fascinated by these people. You kind of just want to walk up to anybody in, in, in Walmart or wherever and be like, hey, man, go become a monk. I know you think you need all that you know. You need to have sex. You need partners. You need love. You need, you don't need any. Go become a monk. I don't want to become a monk because it doesn't. But you should become a monk. Um. It was beautiful and it was fun going to the prayer services. I liked being a visitor, a guest, an outsider looking in. Some people were just like Catholic and just doing their thing, and some people are clearly also you know outsiders. Um, but I very much did not want it to be like. Um, you know, I'm here for my own silent retreat. Um, I don't know. I just, I was curious. I wanted to be part of the, 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 religious aspect of it. Cause it's such a massive part to them. So I figured, well, I could do it for a little bit, just for fun. Um, yeah. And the meals were just like that. I mean, you woke up in the morning and went down and had some coffee and some cereal. There was some uh, homemade bread that was baked by the monks. A big part of the Trappist monk tradition is that they work. Um, they they spend a lot of time of their day in contemplation and prayer, but they also work. It's a very important part. In fact, it used to be more of a working farm. I think more of the monks um, got older. and So there's a little bit less work, but they still they bake bread and they make... Uh, they make fudge, and um, I imagine they do a few other things. Um, but there's there's a you know parts of the monastery that are closed off that are just um, monastic areas, uh, and then there's a retreats garden which is so beautiful. There's trees and a little stream and bird feeders and uh, the, the the big bells up behind it and the the cemetery where all the monks are buried and um, very very peaceful place. Uh, so I had my coffee out there. Um, went to another prayer. Had some lunch. And then went out and took a hike. I went out um, to a part I've been to. But then I went further than, than I've ever been. Which is really lovely. Uh, and all this is just. It's fields and woods. And it all belongs to the monastery. And there are some people out there. With pickup trucks. And I was like oh you're not, they're not supposed to be there. And I went up and. Uh, turns out they, they lease the land. They're farmers who lease the land from the monastery. So of course they're allowed to be there. And they had a photographer there and there was a kid who looked about you know 16, 17 years old. He was taking his senior photos and he was up in a deer stand with a bow and arrow. He had his deer that he killed, big buck, like a stuffed taxidermied deer. Uh, like just the head, he had that as uh to be part of the photos. Um big hunting family spoke to the the grandfather for a minute, uh, but really, really adorable. Um Kept walking and walking and went deeper and deeper into the forest. And um, there's signs that say, you know, uh monastery this way or something, um, Abbey of Gethsemane this way, uh and uh beautiful abbey. Which is cool and found a bunch of fossils as I was walking. That whole area is, is just littered with fossils. I found some petrified wood. Um, and then and then something happened, which I, I'm gonna I'll I'm gonna tell the story, but I'm gonna put it at the end of this podcast because there's gonna be some trigger trigger warnings <laughs> ahead of it. Uh, so we'll come back to that. Um, but let's uh let's let's do a song here. Um, this song is not about monks, but it's a, it's a song called Broad, Broad Ripple is Burning um, by Margo and the Nuclear So-and-Sos, I want to say. Uh, and it's one of my favorite songs ever. And there's a performance of it uh, of at Day Trotter Sessions, which is just so freaking amazing. But um, yeah, it's called Broad Ripple is Burning, and it's just a magical song that I wish I wrote. And uh, here it goes. It goes something like this. <laughs> ¶¶
0: children broad ripple is burning and the girls are getting sick off off, of glue up in the bathroom while your boyfriends pick up chicks and darling i'm lost i heard you whispering that night in fountain square the trash filled streets make me wish we were heading home There was love inside the basement Where the woman used to lie the sleeping bag we shared upon The floor most every night Darling, I'm drunk And everything I have Love is turned to stone So pack your bags and come I'll be here Thought you had will go to shit. We've got a lot, don't ever forget that. And I wrote this on an airplane where the people looked like eggs. When a woman that you love was gonna bomb in East Japan, don't fucking move. Everything you thought you have will go to shit we have got a lot Don't you dare forget that Cause that I'm wasted You can taste it Don't look at me that way And I'll be hanging from a road I will haunt you like a ghost
1: Okay, so um yeah we'll come back to that hike but anyway uh spent the next few days you know just in in, in silence as the days wore on it got more and more difficult to like be present and be off my phone um, but I did read a lot I, re- I read my tree goes in Brooklyn um I read some books from their library I try I read some scripture some of the Bible and you're reading it because I, I I was in the kitchen. I met this the woman who who helps out in the kitchen. Her name was Sarah, and we started talking, and um, and she started talking to me. So I was like, I, I guess I could talk to you. Is that okay? Um, and I, I met her earlier in the day, and then I ran into her again, and she was talking to the one one of the monks, an older, very old man, um, who introduced himself as James, Father James. And he told me he'd been at the, I asked him how long he'd been at the monastery, and he said over 70 years. He said something like 72 or 74 years. So an old man, um, I, I went, he looked to be about in his early 90s. And uh, I noticed he was missing a finger, and I, I was like, what happened to your finger? And he told me the story about when he was a young monk at the monastery many, many decades ago. Um, And they used to make hay. And they had uh, some of these machines that would push the haylage into the barn. And they got a new one. And the the belt was on the other side. And he didn't know. And he got it stuck. And he lost his finger that way. And He described running back to the monastery and then going to the hospital. And he says he still looks at it and is in shock (laughs) that he's missing a finger. Um, but just a very, very sweet, sweet old man. I told him, he asked for my name and I told him my name and he talked about King Solomon and the Bible a little bit. And, um, I asked him for some advice You know, I was like, do you have any, I'm like, this is an annoying question, but do you just have any advice? And he's like, and he just started telling me where to hike. He's like, oh yeah, try this hike. Have you been to this hike? Uh, have you been to the stone house, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, no, I haven't. I was like, okay, I guess I'll do that. And then, and then he was like, "And just read the read the scripture, you know. It's just the best." He was like, "It's so amazing. It's so wonderful." And and he was such a sweet man. So I was like, "All right." So later on, I went back to the library and I started in the beginning, Genesis. And you're reading it, and you're like, "My God, is this shit? It's fucking stupid." Like it. Yeah, and it's so beautiful that people can derive so much meaning. And it, and I was trying so hard. I was going in with an uncynical. But maybe I'm just, you know, I'm probably uh, tarnished just from my upbringing and uh, my radical rebellion against religion. But my God is some of it silly. Um, But there's also wisdom and beauty in it. And I think these people are far from stupid and far from foolish. They're a lot wiser than me in many ways, especially these monks. And I think in a cosmic way, they are doing what they hope they are. You know, they see themselves as they're praying For everybody, and they're pulling society through um, towards you know a a better life or a holier life, and I think in some ways that is true. We do need a portion of our society to just sit in silence and contemplate and not be part of this distracting racket that we're all you know so deeply entrenched in. I think we should you know try to have part of parts of our society just you know just exist and contemplate. And be inside of moments that, you know, we see as a schedule, and we see as productivity and time to do business and um, consume things and chase comfort or lust, and these people are attacking these moments in very, very different ways. Also, with their own kind of discipline. Um, but I think it's special. I think it's so beautiful just to know that right now there's a bunch of monks out in Kentucky, in the hills walking around in uh, some sort of deep contemplation and praying and thinking about the rest of society and sending their love to them and trying to have a deep uh, relationship to what they call God what I what I would consider you know the the core of all that is creation all that is life I, I think that's so special that they're out there knowing that they're out there now no matter where we are in our lives they're just they're in deep deep deep, dedication that stretches you know beyond their own eternity and they get buried on the hill there and they'll always be there I think that's very very special and so in some ways I have complete trust and faith in what they're doing and and I take their faith and their uh, religion very very seriously and I have so much respect for it Uh, on a personal level I find it just you know a little I find I find more inspiration about reading about like and uh you know, an explorer uh, in the Arctic, you know, in like the seventeen, eighteen hundreds. Um, just more inspiration about learning about, you know, different Native American tribes, the rise and fall, um, history, science, nature, wilderness, conservation, friendships, music, musicians, artists, great people, thinkers, people push the envelope, comedians, renegades, anybody. I think there's, you know, beauty and, and holiness everywhere. But, um yeah, spent the next few days, you know, just reading and hanging out in the garden, having the meals. Um, I did go into town once because, like, they just had green, they just had, like, crabby tea. So I went and got myself some tea and I got myself some spring water and some real honey. Um, And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was fun to... to the drive there was just magical. The drive around there was just so beautiful. And uh, my last day before I before I left, this man pulls up in a pickup truck. I'm walking around the monastery. There's a gift shop there and um, a bookstore. And I was come. I was walking towards the bookstore, and he stops me and he goes, "Can I give you something?" And I just figured like he was trying to drop off a, a package or something for someone. I was like, "Of course." And he hands me a paper, and I could see it's like Jesus. Christ is your savior, save you now and then just like and it's just like a paper they printed out at home with like long letters and and he was like are you a catholic and i was like well uh, sort of and he, and he goes do you believe in Jesus Christ your lord and savior and i was like sort of and he's like um he's like do you have a computer and i was like i think so and he goes here take this paper and you you could google this look it up and i couldn't help but think Am I your target? Like you're at a monastery, shouldn't you go to like Shoprite or Walmart? Like, I'm here. I, out of all the places I could be, like, do I need like, I don't know what that guy was doing. He was just like, he felt like when you're um when you're at a concert and there's like someone busking outside of like a big concert, and you're like, all right, I mean, I'm going to see that music. I, I okay. I, he was just trying to get his own show going there, but um walked inside, threw out the paper. And then bought some books, um, and I bought uh, Seven Story Mountain" by Thomas Merton, which uh, is supposedly his 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 um what's the word coup de gras? something his best work you know the pinnacle of somebody's um, work. Um, okay, real quick, uh, this is this is a this is a, a this is a story that I really shouldn't tell, but it it uh, it's so hilarious to me, um, and uh, it involves. It involves poop, taking a, a poop in the woods, so if that topic might uh, make you cringe or offend you or gross you out, then then this is this is it for the podcast. The podcast is over. I love you and thank you for listening. Um, yeah. So I was on the phone with my sister uh, the other day. And she mentioned for the first time that she has been allergic to uh, to peppers, and that peppers, you know, are are hard on her um, gastro gastro. I almost said gastroeconomic, gastroanatomical system, um, whatever the word is. Uh, and I was like, oh, huh, that's funny." Okay, you know, I don't really have. Pro- I don't like peppers, but I don't think I have a problem with them. Anyway, that was the first day at the monastery. And we had meatballs and spaghetti for dinner. And there's tons of peppers in the sauce. And like I noticed it. I was like, it's weird. And it did, it tasted funny, but um, I, I ate it. And I was very present for it. It was beautiful. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the brown liquid soup that I didn't really know what it was. But every soup, every meal would show up in a different form at the following meal. Um, and again, it was just so beautiful. It was like, you know, there's only a few people running this place. And it's just so nice that they feed you at all. Um, so, uh, the second day I was there, um, uh, or the first full day when I woke up and, uh, I took a very long hike, went out to the mountains, past the kid, taking his graduation, his, uh, senior photos, uh, saw some fossils, some petrified wood. I was using the rock app to figure out what kind of fossils they were, what kind of, sand, found some sandstone. It was beautiful. And, uh, just really enjoying. I saw a deer run out in a field. I spooked it. it. saw me way out. Um, And, uh, I just kept walking and, uh, I was walking in the woods and I went further and I kept going and it was just a beautiful day and I kept going and I kept going and, you know, and I'm about an hour and a half's hike in from, from the monastery and, uh, I said, well, I should probably turn back and I turn around and I feel a feeling (laughs) that I was like, whoa, all right, I feel like I gotta, I gotta go. And you know, it wasn't like a normal. It was like I don't know. I don't. When was the last time you had? You had the shits. Um, it was. It was. You know, it was a feel. It was a very strong, convincing feeling. I was like, I don't. I don't know if I could make it back. Like I tried walking. I pulled my. I like pulled my pants up tighter. Like thinking that would do anything. And you try to walk fast, that doesn't help. You walk slow. It's just gonna take you longer to get back. And suddenly I'm like, I'm I'm not gonna make it back. I am gonna have to go in the woods, and and I've gone to the woods, but it was always like maybe there's an outhouse or at least you're backpacking, you have toilet paper. I don't have toilet paper, and I also you know I'm out far in the woods, but there's monks and they're hiking around. Probably I don't want to you know be taking a shit and some monk walks by. I'll feel very bad. So I look around me and I see that over to the right. Um, uh, the north side there's a bit of a ridge and if I get there in time which I wasn't sure I could I could get over the ridge and maybe there's like a place there where I'll be hidden from view so I run and I run like I'm chasing a deer I run like I'm being chased by a mountain lion I run as fast as I can uh not even knowing if that like that was that itself was a gamble and um anyway uh I get over this ridge and I see there's a beautiful little gorge um, where a creek where there's like a seasonal creek. So the creek bed was dry and I just jump like down this hill into the creek and I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, I could sacrifice my boxers, Um, you know, we'll just leave them in the woods. They're cotton. They'll biodegrade and that's okay. And I'll be mostly fine. So uh, I was wearing slip. I was wearing blundstones. Thank God. Pull those off. You know, declothe, and I go like I've never. Got. I mean, it was it was a great feel. It was exhilarating. It was like a beautiful. It was the most spiritual moment I had at the monastery. Um, my God, I can't believe I'm telling you guys this. Mm. So um, I go, I went, I was gone, I did it, and uh, I'm gonna spare you the details on how I knew it was peppers that they were the problem, but I it was the evidence was quite clear that th- the peppers um, did not want to be digested. Anyway, uh, I did that, and I I used dry leaves. I looked around me, and there's beautiful leaves that were dry, but they were from this season, so they weren't totally like they wouldn't crack if you if you use them. So I used leaves. Uh, They were clean. I felt great. There was lots of leaves and um, didn't have to sacrifice any, any of my clothing. And um, yeah, I put my clothes back on and I hike up, I climb up out of the ridge, look around me. And it was one of those feelings of like, uh, and at the time I was like, I'm not going to tell anyone about this ever. Now I'm talking about it on a freaking podcast that anyone can listen to, but there was this beautiful, exhilarating feeling. It was so humbling. It's like, you know, I'm not in control and uh there's a real beautiful exhilaration, the fact that I got through it and survived and in some ways, many ways I thrived. And I took that hour and a half hike back to the monastery, feeling all kinds of strange ways, but mostly feeling uh, a tremendous amount of relief and a little bit of pride and uh humiliated in a great way. I felt very, very humbled. Um idea that there's someone up there laughing down at me was you know just so so funny um yeah and that was that i went to sleep uh in my little twin bed below a cross and a painting of jesus christ on the cross and uh, on the cross and it was uh yeah it was my week of spending time with the monks being being a a a, you know part-time christian i guess um and uh, I, I'd love to go back. I think it's just so special that they're doing it. And they're so welcoming. Like the Dalai Lama's been there. And they're welcoming to anybody. And I think they're wonderful people. And there's wonderful people everywhere. So I hope that story didn't uh, completely turn you off. And uh, God bless you if it did. <laughs> and um, yeah, check out if you ever come across any of Thomas Merton's wor- work. Um, I read some of his work while I was there. And really beautiful writer. Uh, very funny. Very witty. Uh, a great essayist and a tra- travelogue writer. Um, anyway, that's that. Um, let's see. My friends have some new songs. Who's got... I'm putting out a new song. Uh, actually, I'm going to plug it into the beginning of this podcast because I should let you guys know. I have a new song coming out this Friday. Um, also, Feed the Fire got over a 1,000 listens on on Spotify without any fancy playlists or, or you know, any algorithm or anything. It was I did not think that would happen. So very grateful for all of you who've listened and i'm excited for you to hear this new song happy lovers in the dark room it's i'm really really pumped about it um in some ways it's my favorite release yet um okay november 25th national tennessee bowery ballroom uh bowery elect oh, god i gotta go to sleep bowery vault um anyway i love you guys a lot thank you for bearing uh with us and uh We'll see you next week. Okay, bye-bye now.